welcome to New Progressive Voice, and we've got a couple awesome guests here today. It is Rio and Corey from Moving Forward Podcast. You also may know Corey from Hashtag Coffee on YouTube. Welcome to New Progressive Voice. Hey, thanks for having us, Joshua. You're welcome, and I'm really, really glad you guys accepted my offer. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. I'd like to start just briefly introduce either one of you can start anyone that may not know you guys do you want to take that Corey sure um, so the better part of a year ago a little bit more than that I guess um, I uh, had just heard about uh, this Andrew Yang guy I'd been following UBI for a long time and there was this presidential candidate talking about UBI. That in and of itself was just a, a, a gift. Like, uh, what the hell is going on? It's kind of incredible. And then, it, you know, he's beating like half of the senators that are running for president in polls. So, like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Right. And so, right. getting really, really into Andrew Yang and, you know, in like joining groups and this, that. And I started seeing this uh, post that was getting uh, sent around about the conservative case for Andrew Yang. And I had never even considered that. Um, and so, you know, I, I uh, reached out to this uh, uh, conservative asshole who, uh, who who wrote this whole thing. It's a really good piece. Uh, and asked him if he would come on my hashtag coffee show. And he did. And we had a blast. <laughs> and it, it really was astounding. Like, we could sort of come at the, this one particular policy uh, from, you know, two different really distinct angles and come to the same conclusion, which is fascinating. Right. Um, right. And so we decided to see if we could do that with some of the other 18 million policy proposals that Andrew Yang had. Um, and that's, that's what created the moving forward podcast. Um, awesome. And uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we did about 130 odd episodes um, and that the policy ones are uh, among my favorite ones for sure. Just cause it's either like, we really wanted to figure out, okay, regardless of how we feel about anything else how do we make sure that like we basically we don't leave the marriage bed totally going back to that well without creating a consensus position right mm. and we got rid of the word compromise really early because you know i don't like it right, baggage right. consensus is just you know it's, it's, it means the same thing but it basically means like we really do want to make sure well i mean it, it doesn't actually so and we have this uh, this conversation a lot like compromise means you're giving something up like i think the genius of andrew yang's positions were that like you really didn't feel like that was the case very often, right? right? Like it might not be exactly what you wanted, but it sort of got you what you wanted, wh whatever angle you're coming at it. Like it was really a consensus thing where, you know, instead of your idea and my idea and we, you know, don't like either one. So we kind of mash both of those ideas up so that we each get a little bit of our, you know, idea. Right. You come up with a better idea and do that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that uh, moving forward rather than right or left that you're really – getting at there yeah is that conservative guy you were talking about uh rio by the it, way cory <laughs> yeah okay. in, in, case, in case that wasn't clear i only call my friends asshole online okay we awesome. actually published that um initial conversation on the podcast it was recorded for Corey's hashtag coffee show which is a progressive morning show uh but it also doubled as the first episode of the moving forward podcast so if people want to listen to it um you can go find us on apple or wherever you get your podcast look for moving forward podcast and uh the very very first episode definitely was um making a lot of making a big splash especially in the 
Andrew Yang, um, you know, campaign circles. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a, another Moving Forward podcast. So can you differentiate between that one versus yours so people don't get mixed up? If you're searching for it, I mean, you can go to movingforwardpod.com and it'll it'll send you to all the links. Um, but uh, I've always found that if you go moving forward in Rio, it pops right, right up in the mm -hmm. search bar. In, it like, doesn't work podcast. with Corey, though. I I don't know if it I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Ours is the one that has the patriotic red, white, and blue. It's super patriotic, like patriotic mm -hmm. AF. It's like I was the one who hired the graphic designer or something. Almost. <laughs> by almost, meaning, no, that's what happened. <laughs> so, um, what has the response been like so far from the audience members so far? Like, is it like in the tens, the hundreds, thousands that you guys have continuous or weekly listeners? What, what are we, we have, looking at? We have a very small but loyal base of listeners. Mm. Um, I think um, altogether we have like 60,000, a little over 60,000 downloads of the podcast. Awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who have listened to every single episode, but the total listens definitely varies. Um, some, okay. of the, some of the episodes are more popular than others. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to keep growing. One of the challenges for us has been that we don't pander to a specific target audience, like not even Andrew Yang, mm -hmm. right? We actually have an episode called It's Not Me, It's You. And uh, in that episode, I actually broke up with the Yang gang. Um, so oh, no. yeah, no, I mean like there's nobody who we won't offend if we think the truth contradicts them. <laughs> and that was right around the time that the Unity 2020 thing was getting really popular. Oy. And so mm -hmm. I was just like, I've, oh, I've had it. I've actually had it at this point. I yeah. can't, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. Should we say um, what that is? Or do you think that your, uh, your listeners will know? Yeah. I'd love to get into that, but I wanted to ask you a few questions before we go down that road. Uh, Cause there are going to be some other questions that are relevant to that. But what I wanted to get at first and foremost, I want to get a sense of, um, how you guys were able to um, come to a place where um, you were ha able to have a progressive set down with a conservative around an agenda, and what are some of the challenges that you found from that sort of marriage and also some of the potential benefits that came from that, that particular arrangement? I'm going to let Corey answer that one first. <laughs> uh, I was totally going to let you answer that one. Um, <laughs> So I guess the, 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 the benefits as, as we always kind of saw it, like the, the, the value that we were trying to bring more of into the world um, was that you could have people sit down and figure out what to do next. Like, you know, come up with, with constructive uh, ways to, pun intended, move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is why that policy discussions kind of for me were always sort of uh, winners. But that wasn't easy. Right. Like uh, the, the you know, spot that we're at now where, you know, I, I'm kind of backing away. There's a bunch of reasons for that. We can get into all of that stuff. But like we, you know, we almost broke up uh, weekly because we speak, <laughs> we, we speak very different languages. Right. And that that just parsing that stuff was difficult for every argument that you heard on the on the podcast in the early episodes there was five offline and like you know fairly intense a lot of the time 
Hmm. Um, Interesting. And yeah, it it it, it required you know a a, a a lot of patience to sort of get past that. But we were clearly both like, okay, well, you know, you just kind of presume, okay, like, is it worth letting America die if we stop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Now, was this uh, before or after the primaries? Like, once you knew that Yang or I guess you're, in your case, it would have been Yang was not going to win the primary. And for you, Rio, I guess the same would apply since you also took an interest in Yang and, and you're not a big fan of Trump. Is that when you guys decided that, you know, we need to join forces? No, it was it was before. It was uh, um, like the second the second after we did that first uh, episode. When, there was what, probably was that? four or five months left in Yang's part of the primary, maybe a little bit more. Rio, do you remember? I mean, we were pretty OG Yangsters. Um, I remember that, like, the Yang Facebook page was still very small and growing um, Mm. when we started posting our episodes there. So most of our um, longtime listeners uh, found us through covering Yang specifically. Um, Mm. And we set a goal to go through his entire platform, which was enormous. Right. And we made it through... (laughs) Most of them. We certainly made it through all of the popular, most popular policies uh, that people wanted to hear about. Um, but yeah, by the time that Yang dropped out, we had already moved on to talking about other things too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not a Yang podcast, um, okay. but Yang is the person who brought us together. Though like he's the one whose example taught us that it's possible to thread the needle between conservative and progressive goals um with policy in a way that as Corey put it doesn't feel like you're giving something up right um i mean personally i do not dislike compromise i think compromise is good i think that for a democracy to work at all you have absolutely no choice but to compromise Mm -hmm. and that part Mm -hmm. of the reason that we have the gridlock we have in washington is because too many people aren't willing to compromise with the other side. Um, I, I would I would say I think um, the Republicans are the worst offenders um, on this front lately, uh, especially since they don't even really have an ideology anymore. It's just a cult of personality around Donald Trump. It's whatever Donald mm-hmm. Trump says is true, even right, if it contradicts right, right. you know, what they've been believing as conservatives their entire lives. Why I asked that, Rio, is because um, I, you know when I step back and I'm looking at um, the way that the Yang gang, if you will, or those that follow Yang, were activated and they were so together, and, you know, patting each other on the back, really supportive of each, of each other and one another, and how that is sort of transmuted through time from the primaries into the general election. And uh, we'd know, of course, that some parts of the Yang gang were Trumpers, for example. Mm-hmm. And that then, of course, brings up your question about the dark uh, you know, the dual dark horse and also even on a more personal level, the moving forward podcast. And I know that you guys had confided in me the consideration that you guys may be divorcing, if you will. So can you talk a little bit about how the uh, I'm sort of contextualizing around that because it seems a common theme that's happening where a lot of Yangers are beginning to sort of split up. Can you talk about that and what your thoughts are on on that idea? I'm gonna let Yang or <laughs> let Corey go first. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think I like I I know that that's been happening a lot with the the 
the Yang Gang. Um, I don't personally link link those, although there may be. Uh, I see our situation as, as uh, uh, different. Uh, I could be biased because I'm sort of in it. As far as the Dark Horse Drew, like you, you, we start celebrating the principle of math, right? <laughs> like we're going to use data and we're we're going to you know actually uh, uh, use our brains. And then these uh, freaking bobbleheads, um, and I'm not going to be nice about it. And this this is uh, like another road we can go down. Like I, I I absolutely am just I don't have any patience left, right? Like we're we're mm. supposed to be we're supposed to be the math group, and you can't mm-hmm. think your way out of a wet paper bag to realize that running a third yeah. party run is like shooting yourself in the dick with a bazooka. And yes, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was literally holding that because it's becoming me now. But mm-hmm. like, it, it, yeah, it, it just, it was never possible. It's not possible. It's a joke. And the only thing that you're going to do is damage the thing that you want to achieve the most in presidential politics, right? Like that's it. That that until we have ranked choice voting, you're literally hurting everyone by trying to do whatever this ego, you know, principle that you know I can't vote for either one because you know I can't decide things right it just it just seemed childish and really really freaky so that to me like i if that's the yang gang i'm out right like i i'm not going to associate with that that's not what i signed up for that's like the 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 tribe that andrew yang built with his principled stance with 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 Mm -hmm. his you know every policy being hyper data driven right that that you know what kind of brought a lot of a lot of us to the table well, it also like I think it gave a lot of people hope that had never been in politics before, and they literally have no fucking clue how this works, right? And they won't look, which is pretty yeah. frustrating. So it isn't necessarily that you object to the idea that it might be possible, because even for Yang, that was a long shot, right? I mean, uh, you know, he got 1.5 percent in the end. That's phenomenal, considering nobody knew him uh, nationally. Uh, so. You know, one of the things about uh, politics, you never want to say never, right? Anything can happen overnight. Somebody can become a sensation. So is it more the way they went about the um, advertising it, or their intentions you know, maybe or just something else that sort of strikes you wrong no, about they're, that? They're fundamentally different things, right? Where where you run uh, uh, where you run an advocacy candidate, right, which and Andrew Yang was and he would tell you basically the same thing right it's in the primary right you're not going to damage anything by 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 running in the primary we we live in a duopoly right now you can cry about that all you want but that's where we are and again if you really want to break that anybody who's listening to this uh check out at fair vote they are uh, uh tracking and making you know a uh, huge advocacy moves to get ranked choice voting into uh, a bunch of states, and eventually we'll we'll get it nationally. That's the way to end it, right? If you actually mm-hmm. care about it and you want to do work around that, that's the work you can do to move this ball forward. What you don't do is run a candidacy that cannot win, like it just can't, right? Like that the the number of people that are in their camps and they are not moving in electoral politics is such that running a third party candidate will not work. Like, look at any numbers. If we're going to be paying attention to the math at all, you look at any of the actual numbers and you will see that this is not even remotely possible. Just as Rio, can you uh, differentiate in your mind how that's different than using that same sort of understanding of how politics works in on top of primaries? How is it different or is it different? Well, I mean, we have a first past the post voting system, right? 
where in order to win um, the presidency, you need to get a majority of votes in enough states to get all the electors you need to win. And that is a winner-takes-all system, the way it's set up right now. Um, it doesn't have to stay that way, but you can't change it by pretending like we've already fixed it. That's not going to work. And when people cast a vote for a third party, they are wasting their vote. Um, mm -hmm. There are things that, that it does accomplish, kind of, right? So like uh, a common, you know, on the right, of course, um, I spend time in the company of libertarians. Um, and you'll see libertarian voters will justify voting for the libertarian candidate on the grounds that, well, now we're going to be on the ballot in all 50 states next time, or now we can get ele election okay, funding and that sort of thing, right? But none of that, that's putting the cart before the horse, because as mm -hmm. long as we have the electoral system we have, none of that matters. If the Libertarian Party were to manage to actually win the presidency, which statistically based on the, the math, the chances of that happening are zero. Um, but if that were to happen by some miracle, then that would be a sign that one party, probably the Republican Party, which is in decline, has been replaced. Then we will have the two-party system where there's the Democrats and the Libertarians. That you know, In the past, whenever a third party has managed to win, that's what happened. They just replaced one of the two parties. And that's going to always be the case until we have ranked choice voting, like Corey said, or unless we have mm -hmm. like a parliamentary system, which is definitely not going to happen, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you made that distinction because I think that often goes over people's head uh, about the – with the Democratic primary or the Republican primary, you have the infrastructure in place. You've got the ballots in each of the states. You've got the signatures. You've got the funding. Um you got the apparatus basically, but with a third party, you know, you don't always have all the states, and you likely are not going to get all of the states on the ballot, and you don't have the infrastructure. So you're right, and they're likely not going to be able to get into the debates. So there is that difference, because that's one of the biggest um, complaints I've heard people talk about uh, when people mention how ineffective the du dual dark horse will be. You know, they'll they'll say, well. Andrew Yang, you voted for Andrew Yang, didn't you? Look at where – was that impossible for him? And they don't seem to understand they're two different contexts. So that's a very well, nice pr way. Well, pri primaries that. are probably a necessary evil. That's the way I look at them. Mm. Um, you know, for most of this country's history, parties just chose their presidential nominee from people who held lower positions within the party. A senator or a congressperson or you know a mayor or a governor or something like that um and there really was no direct influence by regular people on that process for most of most of the history of the democratic and republican parties this is a relic this is such a new phenomenon that there are people alive today who were adults when the primary process started mm. it was not that it was long like ago. in the 19 20s was and i think it was the 1920s uh, or something like that no it was 19... uh well by the by the time by the time that they they came to work the way they do now where regular voters can participate in the process to the extent that they do is more like 70s um so oh, wow, that it's that. very recent yeah it's very recent prior to that um people within the party would vote they would still they would have a primary but like not the, the kind of primary where you and i could 
could participate in it. That's very okay. recent modern phenomenon. And you know, the reason I said it's a necessary evil is because now that they're now that we're doing that, the cat's out of the bag. If the the Democrats or the Republicans were to stop holding primaries tomorrow, then the other party would say, oh, that, you know, our opponents are anti-democratic. They don't want you mm -hmm. to have a choice in, in choosing the nominee. Um, and so it's the situation where unless they both start stop doing it at the same time, it's going to keep happening. Um, and so that's the necessary part. The evil part is because it, primaries give undue power to the party base who, so that's why, that's why the, you have the common, mm -hmm. the common trend where like you have to, you know, you have to move left if you're running in the Democratic primary to win the primary. And then you have to go back to the sitter in the general election. Or if you're in the Republican primary, you have to move right, right? You have to be John McCain suddenly is holding much more right-wing positions, more radical positions than he ever held before because he's running for president now, right? And then when he gets the nomination, he goes back to the center. Mm -hmm, Same thing happened right. with Mitt Romney, right? And so the reason that the Republicans nominated Donald Trump is because it was a nominating process that gives tons of power to a radical base of one party. So there's no way that the American people in general would have ever chosen Donald Trump if not for mm -hmm. the fact that we already had this first step where people who hold radical fascist ideologies and theocratic ideologies made up enough of the Demo I'm sorry of the Republican base that he was able to, you know, squeak out a nomination getting 30% of the vote reliably. Because mm -hmm. it was yeah. a wide field. And so Bernie That's Sanders almost did the same thing in the Democratic Party. Right. Now it's interesting uh, that you are suggesting that uh, because of the way that system or the primary system set up and how people have to sort of drift this way or cater to maybe 30% of their base that can tend to move us toward either right or left, you know, radicalism. So that's, that's an interesting way of understanding that. Um, so I wanted to uh, ask you, because I want to take this into a larger context of what we were talking about earlier. Uh, I do feel like we're in that time where I'm seeing a lot of, or at least some of the Yang Gang sort, sort of separating off into different camps. And I wanted to make sure that people very clearly understood, understand why you guys are considering di uh, discontinuing an ongoing podcast together. So they don't, because really you guys are considered sort of like um, a standard of you know, something we'd like to see actually work, <laughs> you know, like the right, the progressives and the, the uh, conservatives can come together and work things out. And from anyone on the outside, it looks like it's not working. You know, you guys are divorcing, you're going your separate ways, and that's not very encouraging. Can you can you speak to that? Maybe starting with you, Corey? Um, yeah, I mean, we can we can get into the to the why of it. Um, but I think it's important to understand that. And Rio came up with this. Um, the the game plan like moving forward is, as a thing is not ending right like we have uh, uh, over the course of the the year and a bit talked to all sorts of people that are on the the sort of progressive side and we've had great conversations the three of us right um, and so the the idea that uh, the that Rio had his sort of vision for for the podcast moving forward is to not just uh, have me uh, but have like a half dozen uh, progressive voices, basically so like regular, uh, uh, um, a regular cast, I guess, right? Uh, and not do just one type of 
okay. um, conversation, but have you know six different progressive angles uh, that that are all still applying okay. themselves to, to the same sort of uh, uh, consensus uh, ethos. Like that, the, that same principle will will apply and has applied for all the conversations that we've had, right? Like, and, and it's not like we haven't had success uh, with that. So yeah, it's not it's not going away. Um, it just got to the point for me where I started seeing I started seeing things move in a way that I could not uh, be a part of and produce content that I would be proud of. Um, okay. Just succumbing to anger constantly. And I have good reason to that. I don't, I don't honestly really want to litigate it. We, you can go back and listen to the big, huge, long conversation that, that uh, the Rio and I had about it. Uh, as far as, you know, getting into the specifics of it. Because, again, pun intended, I would like to move forward. And, it, like, honestly, you set up a great venue for that with how the, you framed all of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, basically, Thanks. like, I got to the point where I just didn't have the, the, the patience to navigate some of the issues that we were having mm-hmm. without just fucking wanting to just say fuck it like that like and again like we go over all of this stuff and i still have a lot of those same concerns um and so i just i couldn't be a part of it because i couldn't um i couldn't produce the kind of content that i was proud that we had produced up to that point Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's good that you are able to know where your limits are and what you, you are or not willing to do. And you're looking out beyond yourself to say, look, let's look at more different perspectives of what it means to be a progressive. And let's let's include yeah, that again, into the conversation. I, I wish I could take credit for that idea. That is entirely unreal. And it's, it is a fundamentally good idea. And all the people that he, uh, uh, you know, has floated so far for uh, uh, for coming on are people I really like. Like that, like it, it you know, it, it it'll be it'll be good shit. Yeah, thanks thanks for saying that, Corey. Uh, because of course, um, you know, uh, the part of the point of having a progressive and a conservative um, both co-hosting every episode. And we had lots of times when one of us was busy, and we thought, oh, maybe we should just one of us should just sit one of them out. And we always decided against it because part of the point of that was to actually exemplify that we really are um, looking for consensus and trying to move past the kind of tribal toxic um, tribalism that unfortunately dominates most uh, political shows. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm not, I'm not interested, even though I'm now going to be the only person in every episode of the moving forward podcast, Um, and it's gonna be a lot more work for me because now I have to do all the production side by myself. Whereas before Corey and I were splitting those tasks up. Mm -hmm. So this is a big undertaking, but I'm not interested in having a right wing echo chamber kind of podcast at all. And it's very important to me that all of the regular, the kind of the cast of recurring, um, guest stars, let's call them that are all going to be progressive because Otherwise, we then run into that danger of, you know, oh, this is just, you know, a, a place for for Rio to talk about his right wing ideas with other right wing people. So, you know, I mean, obviously, I'll have like the occasional guest on who might, you know, not be a progressive. We, we've already done that. We've already had people like that on. But the regular recurring guest stars will all be progressive. 
And I appreciate that Corey said that they're all people he likes, right? These these, these are approved. These are progressive approved progressives. <laughs> this is not me awesome. finding, you know, a puppet, you know, to play mm-hmm. the part of a progressive so that I can knock it down. That's not yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, it's not like he's going mm-hmm. to find a Democrat. No, that was an inside joke that isn't going to make any sense unless you go back and listen <laughs> to the big two-hour conversation that we had about it. Um, I love the way you guys have uh, come to the con- this understanding of using that term consensus versus compromise. I really like that. Um, and I want definitely for people that are following you guys uh, or even thinking about politics in general uh, to think in that way. However, at the same time, I am, am interested in learning what were some of the major like sharply disagreements that you guys had? Can you talk a little bit on that, and for the sake of getting into to a debate, but just more of a topic? Oh boy! <laughs> Do you want to take that first, Corey? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I mean everything, right? Uh, so wow. we we got okay. to the point where we're very good at finding consensus on policy. Um, the way I think about that is, I have my default position on whatever the policy is. Corey has his default position, right? And then we try to figure out a way to thread the needle so that his goals and my goals are both being met by the policy and neither of us are giving up something so big that we wouldn't be willing to vote for a candidate who supported that policy, right? Um, And that is the easier one. Um, Part of the reason Corey's not staying on as the co-host, as a a co-host going forward is it's less productive when he and I talk about political strategy or rhetoric or philosophy, not because Corey isn't very adept at expressing his point in persuasive ways. He is, but we just um, butt heads in a way that's really emotional on those topics in a way that we Mm -hmm. don't with policy. Um, Policy somehow seems less personal. Um, Nevertheless, though, we made a lot of progress on it. I mean, we, 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 if, you, if you listen to the whole all 130 episodes that Corey and I had, it is, it's not just a series of right. long conversations. It's one huge conversation where we both evolve and come to understand the other person's vocabulary, come to understand the other person's worldview in a way that I think is extremely healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And even though some of the stuff we talk about is now a little outdated because it's like a year old, uh, the oldest episodes are a little over a year old, mm-hmm. um, I would definitely recommend people who you know, walk their dog a lot or you know, are training for a marathon or commute to work to go ahead and just listen to the whole series because I really mm-hmm. think – I've never, ever seen a podcast do what we did before, and I, I consume a lot mm-hmm. of political podcasts. There's something remarkable yeah. about two people who come from totally different – political traditions. Um, and Corey's not just an American um, progressive. He's also a Canadian progressive. He's like that, oh, America needs to learn from my superior Canadian country's way of doing things kind of guy. We're yeah. really far from each other, right? And I'm like, America is a shining city on the hill. It's the best country in the world. Everybody should be copying us. He's still um, learning. Yeah, and, and so the, the fact, the fact yep. that we were able to to find as much common ground as we did, even on subjects like philosophy and worldview, is truly remarkable. 
Uh, and right, it's right. just, it's very healthy for people to listen to. But, you know, going forward, I don't have to have those kinds of conversations with Corey anymore. I can have them with you, right? Or one of the other um, recurring guest stars. And Corey and I can focus on policy because that's the thing right. where he and I get along the best. And that's not causing him to tear his hair out and, you know, lose sleep. Well, I think that's a, a really unique thing to have because uh, you know it's very difficult to find because policy is where it happens right that's that's actually where, where the work is done you know and um, that's a beautiful thing you can have that kind of relationship because that's very rare so definitely cherish that um, yeah, yeah a, I'm just realizing this now sorry for sorry for uh, interrupting the real dark horse duo should have been us <laughs> that's really that's the missed opportunity oh you want to see two guys come up with the consensus positions hold our collective beers motherfuckers anyway sorry josh you were sick but you're right it, it is difficult to talk policies and not sometimes get into philosophy you know and the fun you know sort of what's at the root of everything so, and yeah that's where things can sometimes get really contentious but um yeah um so um I know I was going to ask you, I wanted to talk about both of you guys' journey, um, because I know that both of you were into Yang, but ideally neither one of you would want to vote for Biden, and I know both of you have come to the conclusion that's the right thing to do. Can you talk about your journey from going from, say, maybe Bernie or Yang over to Biden, or maybe where can you I, came from? Yeah, you know, can I start on this over. one? Sure. I, like, I want to out myself. Because if you listen to coffee from a year and a bit ago, um, Biden had no fucking chance. Like I was, <laughs> I was down on Biden like you would not freaking believe. South Carolina comes by, I'm like, uh, oh, you know, apparently the the black vote would like to tell me to go fuck myself, right? And that's not made up. That's not the DNC. Those were voters that did that, right? And people thinking that they know everything because they can say three letters in a row is deeply infuriating and insulting to every single person who cast a vote for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. um, and even still, like after South Carolina, I'm like, yeah, but he can't win. Yeah. <laughs> right? I super doubt it because, again, he was invisible, but he wasn't invisible to primary voters. Right. He's doing Zoom calls. He's, you know, uh, uh, you know, built 18 million relationships, which a lot of this is about. Right. It's a primary. Right. So you're going into the Democratic Party. And you know, I, I hung out with the, the Democratic Party uh, sort of clubs and, and organizations just in Pasco County in Florida. And there is so much infrastructure that people don't see. Right. People running local candidates, people recruiting local candidates, people working on a volunteer basis week in, week out for decades to, to you know, uh, uh try to work on on platforms that we generally all agree on right not you know and again some of them have been there for a long time so <laughs> you're fighting different fights or whatever and that generational thing happens even in those 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 local situations um but yeah i mean at the end of the day like biden started winning and he won right and i would say even you know six months ago i'm like well you know uh, he won. So, like, fuck it. I mean, he's better than Trump, right? So I was in that position of, like, oh, I wouldn't really have wanted Biden, but, like, mm -hmm. clearly anyone with, like, three neurons firing at the same time can see that he's better than a psychotic fascist lying piece of shit, right? Um, and then Rio and I went and read through his healthcare plan. Like, I, I wish more people had been around 
for the actual fight that we were having as progressives to get the public option in 2007, 2008, 2009, right? Because that public option would have been far superior to the ACA. And Biden's plan is way freaking better than that public option plan right, right now. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the it, it is it is not. And again, then then he. Re, it, so that healthcare plan, that that was that was a thing where I was like, you know, maybe he stumbles over his words every once in a while. But like and maybe it's just his team. I don't think it is for the record. Mm-hmm. But he's doing all of the right things. Right. Mm hmm. So as whether it's an organization team, whatever, I don't give a shit. It it like it will have, and we talk about this, or I you know mentioned on the on on our podcast eighteen million times. If it's going to move the needle, that's all I care about, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are people suffering right now. The healthcare system in the United States is garbage. It's pure, unadulterated garbage compared to Canada, mm-hmm. and I just want to see people not <laughs> go back. Yeah, right. And so you know, there's that, and then out of the blue, we find out that he's been working with Bernie. To make a whole – like he's pulling the real Cory plan on every policy you can imagine. He didn't have to do that, right? Like the right. numbers that he's going to lose from the Bernie camp, it's actually not that big, right? Mm-hmm. Like the number the number of Bernie supporters – if you ignore Twitter, right? If you poll them, the number of Bernie supporters that are going to vote for Trump or are going to stay home is actually not that huge. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, we're not leaving anything mm-hmm. to chance at all, Right. So he goes and make a giant, gigantic consensus position with this guy. And it was exactly what he did to everybody he, that he got to get out of the race. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, whether it was Warren or anybody else, he, he pulls them in and he's creating a team, which mm-hmm. I just – I love that. Like, I, I'm so not going to be – I'm not going to be yeah. frowning when I yell at people to vote for Biden. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, the, the fact that he actually made an effort and to – to reach out to yeah. the different candidates, that that's awesome. Uh, why do you think um, so many on the left, uh, you know, part of it is social media, obviously, that just is that bubble that keeps spitting out like, oh, the DNC is horrible, blah blah blah. You know, it's it's the devil incarnate. Um, but why do you think people tend to overlook the good of the Democratic Party? I mean, you know, we know there's a lot of bad, but why is it just sort of like black, so black and white there? Bernie, hmm. right? As a avowed Bernie supporter in 2015 um, and 2016, the the anti-establishment tone, rhetoric, mm-hmm. language comes from Bernie. Hmm. And in 2015, it was like out there, but he's still like, ah, Democrats, blah, blah, blah. Like we're still on the same team. This time... Eh, right it got bad and like bernie can pivot right like once bernie's out he's like yeah 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 like no of course i'm voting for biden you fucking morons trump is president right like (laughs) you know he he can he can navigate that but he went it felt to me like he went way farther down the vilification thing right and that has a cost and that cost is the vitriol that we see because it gives everybody permission mm-hmm. to and and it seems right. really oversimplified to me right how easy is it just to blame the dnc or just to do this or whatever and not ever think past that that's really really frustrating to me personally mm-hmm. but yeah i mean mm-hmm. like as a primary cause and there's i'm sure there's a million others um but the biggest bit of gasoline that gets dumped on that fire is what bernie right. did this 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting how on the left, um, because the, the, I guess the left side is so committed to being quote unquote principled, you know, it's this way, my, my way, the highway, that sort of undoes undoes the Democratic Party often, and even the progressive movement. But on the right, Rio, it seems to be the opposite that, I don't, I don't know, it just seems like a good part of the, I guess in this case, the mega or the Trumpers, they're so committed to voting, even if it's one or two policies, the walls, the Mexicans, you know, whatever, um, that they're just going to vote blindly. And they're so, it, it, the principles don't even really matter ultimately if you really Agreed. think about it. So it's almost like on opposite ends and they serve different purposes on different ends of the, of the radical spectrum. Can you speak to kind of that and, and your journey toward Biden? Yeah. Um, I believe that it's very helpful to make a distinction between the political left and the Democratic Party, and to make a distinction between the political right and the Republican Party. Um, hacks on cable news infotainment channels use the terms progressive, left, and Democrat as if they're synonyms for each other, and liberal. And they use the terms right and conservative and Republican as if they're synonyms for each other. And they just aren't. The coalitions of both parties are complicated. Human beings are complicated. Herding sheep is complicated. Um, not all people who call themselves conservative are Republicans. Not all people who call themselves conservative share the same values. They call themselves that for different reasons. They might have more in common with somebody like Bernie Sanders than me and still call themselves conservative, right? Um, not everybody in the Republican Party holds right-wing economic ideas. Not everybody in the Democratic Party holds left-wing economic ideas. Um, and so one of the things that Corey and I did that I think was very productive, although I think it was rough on Corey, <laughs> is that we started to tease apart those differences and we came to find out that when push comes to shove, um, we actually agree with each other on a lot of things. The things that Corey and I agree on are things that political scientists call liberalism, which is to be distinguished from progressive or conservative um, and right and left and all of that. Liberalism is not a synonym for left. It is not a synonym for the Democratic Party. It's just a term for people who believe in centering individual liberty, um, who believe in the rule of law, um, constitutional protections for minority rights against majoritarian rule, what we call liberal democracy. Um, and what we're seeing right now, this anti-establishment movement in both parties is just illiberalism is what it is. And whether they realize it or not, the burn it down cynics in both party bases are, they have a lot in common with each other. Because even though they disagree about specific policy outcomes that they want, they're both really hostile to the liberal values that came out of the Enlightenment and that our wise founders were inspired by when they wrote our Constitution, right? So what happened in the, in the Republican Party is you have to understand that there aren't that many people in the United States who actually hold right-wing economic ideas. 
we are not a big percentage of the population. Most Republican right. voters disagree with that, right? Um, and and so what happened is Trump started giving the base what they want instead of what the Republican establishment used to do, which is to kind of pander to them a little bit, distract them with wedge issues, right? And then try to push through a right-wing economic agenda that they knew their own voters didn't want. And I say that as somebody who who holds those beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And it just backfired on them. And and what so what's happened is right, right. Trump's Trump. I mean, yes, you're right, of course, that Republicans, you know, are very good at being partisan. And even though a lot of them didn't like Trump, they turned around and voted for him in the end, right? Fewer of them are going to do it this time, because. Not only did they betray their values to do that, but now they're living with the real life consequences of having somebody who, regardless of ideology, is just incompetent and unqualified for the position. You can't put somebody like that in charge of running the executive branch of the largest, wealthiest country in the world. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, I think that's a very nice description about how we went from the party of Lincoln to the party of trump um to the confederacy of guns right exactly exactly because i think that you know what you were what you were saying is very really important to highlight that because there are so few similar to your vein of economics they had to broad out broaden out and they had to strategize and unfortunately they sort of went down the wrong or the dark path you know to kind of broaden that base and now it's sort of it's manifesting through trump Right. That, so sorry, really Joshua, I just realized I didn't answer your question about Biden. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So so the reason why the Lincoln Project and Republican voters for Biden and report Republican voters against Trump and all of these these different organizations, all of which I support financially, all of which I'm going to be interviewing people from on um, moving forward. Um, the reason that these movements exist is because. There were, even though we were a minority of the of Republican voters, we were the ones who had the most power in the party until fairly recently. Um, you know, uh, people like uh, Rick Wilson were extremely influential and 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 expert at manipulating economically left leaning Republicans into voting for right leaning Republicans by appealing to their racism and sexism and so forth. These are the people who who made that happen. And what's going on with Trump is now they're saying, oh, well, we never really liked being bedfellows with these bigots. And now we're not even getting right-wing economic policy anyway. So what's the point? We might as well jump ship, right? (laughs) Let's be frank. That's what happened. And Biden might be a little to my left on some policy issues. But to be honest, he's actually to the right of Trump on trade and foreign policy for example. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody like me who free trade capitalism and preserving the US-led global order that we've had since World War II that's kept the peace for the longest period of peace ever in human history, if you care about those sorts of things, or if you care about preserving the constitution and the rule of law and democracy, um, then, you know, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for a candidate who supports a public option, you know, because... Mm-hmm. That's be- that. I think people who put their policy goals over the survival of liberty itself mm-hmm. are just enemies of liberty, and right, and, right. and so it's just it's very frustrating to me to as a conservative, never Trump, 
ex-Republican voting for Joe Biden to see people who are to the left of Biden saying, oh, I'm just going to blow it all up. I don't care. Biden isn't going to give me everything I want. Never mind the fact that it would be impossible. A single payer couldn't couldn't pass a, a Democratic caucus. Well, they proved it, right? Yeah. Like that, it just that just happened, and like everybody freaked out. And we and and it wasn't anywhere near as bad as the number that Rio's been touting for a year and a half. But it doesn't matter. It still wouldn't pass a Democratic caucus, which is what I agreed to because they knew it was true, right? It's like well, the numbers actually- within the within the Democratic Party the single payer is fairly popular, but yeah. the national numbers, including independent voters and swing voters, it's not yeah. right. No, and so that's, that's like it, 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 <laughs> yeah. if you can't pass your own caucus, of course it's not like that. It was never a thing. And we knew that just by the numbers before. Right. And, and again, that, that to me doesn't mean, you know, we give up on the idea, right. When Biden's president, hopefully I'm still going to be for single payer, right? Just means we have mm-hmm. advocacy. We need to explain this better. We need to do more work like that. That mm-hmm. work is not done. Again, you know, while while I was critical of Bernie, it's because of Bernie that we're even talking about it, right? And now, I will granted, still be against the welfare state, but well, and again, like, the, this but, is like but, but, I mean, like for for me, the, the 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 time to choose a nominee is during the primary. After that, when it comes to the general election, practically speaking, you only get two options. And for me, a vote for Joe Biden is just a vote for preserving the American Republic, for ensuring that this democratic experiment continues for another generation, instead of turning into a banana republic dystopian nightmare, which we're seeing unfold before our eyes right now. That's why I'm voting for him. Right. It's not because it's not because I want to move the needle on progressive policy. It's because I would rather let that happen then lose my freedom as a citizen of a, a sovereign democratic right. republic. Right. Absolutely. You know, that uh, a Republican way of, 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 under you know, the original intent of what it meant to be Republican and anyone running in that vein, I would consider voting for. But the current version of the Republican Party, forget it. <laughs> it's scary stuff. Um, but getting back to what you had said about um, – how you were calling uh, the liberals, you know, the, uh, a good thing. I know that many on the left, they don't have that understanding. They don't have that view for many different reasons. I want to get your take on that, Corey. Uh, is, you know, dark money, for example, or Citizens United, or, you know, being involved in many wars abroad and uh, things of that nature. How do you uh, feel about what real said when he he defines liberal as as a good thing so i think at base like the 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 liberalism idea um you know and it's something we ended up talking about a lot right um yeah just you know bombing random uh uh, brown people in other countries hard pass on all of that stuff right like it, it it's it's criminal frankly um, and of course, everybody's forgotten about the fact that that Trump is doing four to five times that, you know, uh, that that right. uh, Obama did. And when Obama was doing it, I was, again, having volunteered on both of his campaigns, one of his most vocal critics. Right. Just to put it in context. But so looking at what's going on with Trump. When when Rio talks about liberalism and why why we're exactly on the same page with with this. All of these conversations that we have, like wanting Medicare for all or being for UBI or doing none of it matters if Trump is allowed to have another term. 
right? When when you're packing the courts with people who aren't even like lawyers, right? They 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 you know can't even pass the bar exams, and you're making them circuit judges, right? Um, when you're putting partisans like uh, Kavanaugh, who's just a political operative, uh, on on the Supreme Court, right? And he's made a couple of decisions that sort of smooth that over, but all of that is on purpose for optics. Um, I mean, the voting thing right off the bat, right? Just in the last little while. And they're dead fucking serious about this, right? I thought it was like a joke because we had the worst economic news that we've had in literally like 100 years, right? And that was the day that he said, hey, I'm just going to move the election. Fuck you, right? I thought it was just doing – because he does this all the time, right? He'll throw – you know, if there's – if it's a really bad news day, he'll throw a bomb. And just like a oh, that's where the Republicans can just say ah, oh, he's joking or whatever. Well, we find out he's not joking at all, right? Like the 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 tweet he had was terrible. If you listen to what he said that night, he was literally threatening to blow up democracy itself because he's worried about losing. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be right. it, it sure would be a shame if something happened to this country. That was the whole tone. Like it was it was it was mob level weird. So like you know the the. The, I, like the the first thing that comes first, and it's I think we've just gotten so sort of a nerd, so so used to having um, mm-hmm. a democracy that works as well as well as it does, right? And we have many criticisms for how it's not mm-hmm. working enough, and I get that. But I think people are not understanding that we are very close to it getting one hundred times worse, and mm-hmm. like to the point where in these countries that are failed states, it doesn't get better. Right. Like that. So that's that's liberalism. You have countries where, you know, uh, uh, the, the currency is freaking going up by by or, go, you know, losing value by 10,000 X. You have uh, uh, wandering militias. Right. Like, well, and, and again, like all the stuff that we're starting to see now, except for the currency stuff, although they are printing it really quickly. You know, like you've got police dragging people off the streets in the United States. Scary, scary. That is, that is, you know, the 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 opposite of. The, you know the definition of liberalism that we're talking about right like just having a, a democracy that works right and that that freedom and the rule of law meaning that you know and again that's not to say that rule of law was was perfectly orchestrated because it wasn't right if you're poor you were still completely totally screwed if you got arrested if you're rich you got off I get that but that level of, of corruption is nothing compared to where we're headed where they can just make something up about you and then arrest you and throw you in jail. Like that's Russia right now, right? And other places. But that's yeah. like, you know, so that that's where we come together about uh, uh, like those are the liberal values that that are holding underpinning this whole thing. And you know, you keep talking about just blase burn it down, like the the amount of privilege that it takes. Or maybe just ignorance, right? Which can be you know, it, it, innocent, I guess, if you just don't know that it could be a lot worse. And you take away the ability to um, influence the government through a vote. Once you have a banana republic where you technically have a democracy, but in practice you don't because it truly is rigged, right? Once you get to that situation, um, it's over. There's no going back. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan said that liberty is something that you have to actively choose to continue every generation. You have to fight for it. You can't take it for granted. And when we start taking our civil liberties for granted, that is how Rome fell. Mm -hmm. Fat, spoiled people who it wasn't enough. Nothing was ever enough for them. Anything short of total perfect utopia, they would just take for granted. 
And that's what that's what's happening here right now, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, I mean, actually, if I'm being completely honest, the election of Donald Trump has actually made me, if anything, more right wing than I was before, because I'm just seeing the consequence of what happens when regular people get their way, and it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about populism is it's easy; it's the easiest thing in the world to just point out the flaws with an existing system, right? Every system has flaws. Perfection is a good goal to have, and you always aspire to it and work toward it, but it's not achievable in real life. Um, And so liberalism as a philosophy is based on this idea that human beings are flawed. We're not perfectly logical. Um, we, 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 We covet each other's things. We disagree with each other. We have different values and priorities. Um, and competition and conflict are inevitable. So the, the genius of, of the, the concept of liberalism that came out of the Enlightenment was that you could, rather than working against human nature, create a, a system of incentive structures where you get, you incentivize people through human nature to achieve good things together. Not perfect, right. but good, right? Real progress is hard and gradual, and it's very easy to just say, as an outsider who had who has never held office in his life, like Donald Trump, it's very easy to just say, "Oh, the whole system is so screwed. Everybody's corrupt. Just put me in there, and I'll fix it." Okay, but then when he actually got in there and had to figure out how to actually work, he couldn't. He couldn't even work with his own party, let alone the other party. His own party controlled both Congress and the Senate, and they didn't even do the one thing that his, his fans elected him to do, which was to build this wall. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. The Republican Party prevented him from doing that. Not the Democrats. I mean, obviously, the Democrats were opposed to it, too. But he did... So, so, so the, the, point, the point being, it's really hard to govern. Mm-hmm. And populism is about letting regular people off the hook. It's about saying... Oh, well, the problem is all those elites in Washington, they're all corrupt. And we're going to exaggerate the, the degree of corruption in order to justify putting in somebody who's even more corrupt. And if, 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 if it's too hard to achieve the policy goals we want playing by the rules, then we're willing to put somebody in who's going to cheat. Mm-hmm. That's what Corey and I ended up calling the new narrative and the real mm-hmm. divide. It's just that like people who disagree with you about policy are not the enemy. The enemy are people who are willing to cheat and destroy democracy itself in order to get their mm-hmm. way on policy, even if they agree with you. Yeah, I, I mean, you make some great points, both of you, but I want to challenge you on a couple of those because uh, just from an outsider who hears a lot of this, um, you know, being echoed out here, um, first talking about, uh, you know, Trump and all the horrible things that he's he's been doing since he's been elected. I know that many um, – on the right and the left would often talk that none of that would have been possible had we not had some of the policies, you know, the Patriot Act, you know, the FISA order and all those things happening and money and politics and, you know, the ever widening gap between the rich and the poor. Uh, and here you are telling me to go back to Biden. I mean, how do you address something like that, Corey? Yeah. That, that, those kind of concerns. Thank you for coming to me because it's one of the things that irritates me the most about Rio. Uh, <laughs> Because like, well, it's like everybody, everybody who's who's you know not a a, a a rich white highly educated person in the city on a hill, which is really just a gated community of any design or metaphor, um, that they're all Trump supporters is 
or, or equivalent is, is uh, you know, a thing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the, the elites of this country turned it into a shithole. It's their fault. Like, period. Their love of power and their love of tax breaks and their willingness to do anything to make those happen, to erode any law that was designed to constrain the worst uh, elements of capitalism, right? Um, you know, all of that is real. Criticism of that is is important. Um, and and not, you know, just washing that under, under uh, uh, the rug is important. You know, we're not... I don't want to, you know, gaslight anyone and say that those problems aren't real, right? That they they don't have a cause, that there isn't a ruling class that absolutely fucked up a lot of shit over and over and over again, right? Um, turning into Nazi Germany is not the way to fix it. Yeah. Right? And like, let's not let's not fuck around right now. That's what's happening right now, right? So, like, Biden. And again, like all of those things were bad, right? If you really want to fix it, give Democrats a super majority, a super super majority for fucking ten years, because Dodd Frank, if but, they if they just as like a microcosm, right? Dodd Frank was supposed to fix the things that happened after Wall Street. I'm yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, I love Wall Street shit for some reason. I read all this shit all the time. I was super fascinated with the time, right? So, watching all of that stuff, Dodd Frank was nowhere close to enough to stop the next one. Right. It was the best consensus position that they could come up with. And immediately people on K Street were spending a million dollars a day to erode single lines of that law. And it's not even 20 percent as effective as it was on the on, on, on the day up. Right? right. So like like that's that's just one thing. But at the same time, like. The 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 platform the Democrats have right now, like, you know, centrist Democrats, which I get called now, which is really fun. <laughs> um. It, it they're trying to address this stuff like if we if we passed everything that came out of the democratic house right now i mean we'd be there'd be two thousand dollars a month going out to everybody right like the the, the stuff that came out is is trying desperately to fix income inequality and how dumb healthcare is and 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 right so i i the only thing that i can really say to that is if you think the democrats aren't trying to fix this you're not looking not paying attention, right. right? Right. I'm glad you pointed that out because that seems to be our biggest problem, at least on the progressive side. Uh, it is that you've got the YouTube sort of chamber, right? Yeah. Echo chamber, and it's always Democrats are the demons. You know, they're worse than the Republicans, so forth and so on, and they never do anything right. Uh, how do we begin to get people to pay attention to nuance and realize there is a difference in the modern day version of the GOP, and not to take any away from anything away from Rio, because uh, uh, you know the way Republicans used to be, I would have been ready to vote for one of those, right? But the version today, forget it. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you know, monstrous. Well, right. I, 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 I call Trumpism. I call Trumpism the worst of both worlds. Mm-hmm. It's like you took all of the worst ideas of the far left and far right and put them together. That's what their party is yeah. doing right now, and it's an absolute sense. disaster. I'm not yep, going to argue with that. Right. But how do we even begin to um, burst that echo chamber bubble over on the progressive side on YouTube and Twitter? And it's all about the Kyle Kalinskis of the world or the the uh, the Hill Rising, you know, or uh, TYT. So 
the first thought that I had was chirp, um, which is entirely self-serving. I'll just throw that out there right now. So I'm doing community development for a new social media platform. Um, and the primary difference is, and we're going to see more of these things cropping up, but it's like, I'm just using this as an example. Um, we're not going to track the content on any anyone's profile, right? So no keywords, no none of that shit. And the whole point is, there is algorithms that are used to flick your amygdala. Uh-huh. They know when you're pissed, because then we go and we comment, and that's the whole sort of attention cycle or whatever it happens on YouTube, happens everywhere, right? And so that is the base uh, financial incentive that these companies have. It is the easiest way. All you got to do, like, go do do a YouTube channel about like, you know, happy fucking good news. You're gonna have like five people watching. They're all gonna be like eighty year old grandmas. They'll be super nice, but you're not gonna get anywhere, right? But like, just look at what happened. Uh, you know, with with the hill, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what's her face? Crystal Ball was like, if you listen to her five years ago, she's talking about the kinds of things we're talking about with the financial crash, all this, all the kinds, of, like super coherent, super reasonable. And now she's a troll, right? Yeah, and that she it, got it, sucked it, in. <laughs> intensely disappointing. And here's the problem: it 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 is extremely incentivized, right? The feedback loop for somebody making content. And I mean, honestly, I watched Kyle Kalinsky go through, go through the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, the second that you get into the rage machine, you are lifted up. Yes. Right? And it is it is very simply because of the gestalt, the, the, the compound uh, of this algorithm operating over and over and over again on hundreds of thousands of individual human brains. Mm-hmm. Right? right and so, right. like, if you're going to rise to the top... It, the likelihood that you're going to rise to the top as that is like maybe a hundred X if you were being reasonable. So <laughs> get the fuck off those platforms. Just get off them. Right. right? Like mm-hmm. as, as an individual thing, I think that's the only thing that we can do because that algorithm so for, is going to kill us. From a conservative standpoint, uh, we see that the GOP is plagued with the Trump Trumpism. I mean, how do we be even begin to untangle that and bring back the, the uh, real GOP, the true authentic GOP. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Like the real authentic GOP was a house of cards um, that we, and I want to, you know, throw Corey a bone and say all those things I was describing about the way that the elites of the GOP manipulated people intentionally in order to get them to vote. The left would prefer to say against their own interest. That's not necessarily the way I see it, but to get them to vote a way that they wouldn't vote if it were just a pure, honest-to-God economic argument um, is part of the reason that you know that the, the GOP is such a – But would a you concede, Rio, that when he talked um, – I know on one – what you were saying earlier is that when people don't work for things, they get a sense of privilege, and that leads to radicalism potentially because they're not getting what they want right now. But on the other hand – uh, Corey's point is that when you have massive wealth inequality, there's also a sense of privilege. The well, Jeff I Beans don't. The world right. I mean, so. you have to understand that this is this gets to the heart of the fact that we do have different worldviews. Corey and I are both people who are we we are motivated by our own sense of right and wrong. Um, and I I don't believe that it is right or just or good 
for the United States government to intervene in the market in order to guarantee a more equal outcome than would happen naturally in a free society. I oppose that. But our consensus position has been Yandri Yang's UBI, his freedom dividend. Um, and I think we even improved upon it um, in our conversations. Be and the reason for that is because if you look at from, term, from, a, from a conservative perspective, um, if you look at the way that our means tested tax and spend welfare state works is it punishes people for success and it traps people in poverty. It traps people on welfare because if they start making money, they lose the welfare, right? And this is actually something that Corey and I totally agree about. I mean, he's mainly motivated because he wants those poor people to be able to have more money. He wants them to be able to get gainful employment and still keep the income from well, the government. But well, mean, just a minute, let, let me finish my point here. Um, from my perspective, my primary motivation is I feel like when I compare it to the status quo, you know, if you if you're if you're like a middle class person, you you get to keep less of your money. And if you're a poor person, you get all this free stuff, which if you look at it in certain states, if somebody actually gets all of the benefits they qualify for, um, they actually come out having the same amount of income as somebody who earns a hell of a lot more. I don't think that's fair. Um, so my motivation is I want to have a true meritocratic society where people succeed on their merits or fail on their merits, but where failing, you know, doesn't mean that they completely lose everything. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's what, that's what UBI would accomplish. Mm -hmm. So there are ways of addressing income inequality that are more fair and more, compatible with my values than the current system. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea of addressing that quote problem. I just think that there's different ways of doing it. And the way we're doing it now is wrong. Now, the way Corey looks at it, the way Corey looks at it is, well, it's still better than nothing. And I understand that. I understand his perspective. I happen to disagree can, with that. Can I, can I, yeah. Let me take a run of this. But I don't think he's wrong. I, Corey, I don't think you're wrong to see it that way. I think you just see yeah. it differently. Well, no, and, and, and again, like, the, I'm coming at it from, um, you know, Paul Ryan, who came up with assistance his whole fucking life, immediately turns around and becomes a champion of pulling the rug out from, from that for other people, right? Uh -huh. Like, and that, like, that, like, you know, climbing the ladder and then ripping the ladder down is something that I see with conservatives and Republicans a lot right um so that's super irritating but what re and this like that conversation to me around you know the the welfare cliff and you can hear it in the first like three months of the moving forward podcast it's like yeah. but in the context of like in a world without ubi i'm still you you have to help people because you've created this ridiculous system that you know works people to death and does nothing for them right and there's no there's no floor under which uh uh you know people because like you know the, the, that floor is kind of the the important thing right like just like help people not starve it, like reduce suffering by whatever mathematical needs possible mm -hmm. right but in a world where ubi is possible and again we're seeing this with the pandemic right you know that median household income went up by 40 percent over the last year right <laughs> because they were giving people 600 bucks a month mm -hmm. right it fucking worked right like it it it, it it really did, right? And of course, that's going to end now, and it's all going to turn shitty. But like, it really like the, we we saw what a groundswell would look like with uh, with with the UBI, 
and just talking over and over and over again about people being disincentivized to work and seeing people on the left um, say, you know, it's a Trojan horse or whatever, and they just want to kill the welfare state. Like, you guys need to shut the fuck up. I went and talked to 20 people on welfare. You know how many of them said that they would keep uh, their welfare instead of uh, go to UBI? One. She had three kids. Mm, interesting. For her, right? it makes sense. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. For, for, to well, everyone else, it was horrifically stupid to not take the UBI because every single one of them wanted to work. Even people that were disabled, they wanted to like get some kind of job or do this or do that or like find some way to better themselves, right? And in their yeah. current situation, right. they couldn't so, do it. So to be clear, Corey and I agreed that raising the floor is more important than leveling everything out. Yes. That we don't actually want guaranteed equality of outcome. We want a system right, right. where even the people at the absolute bottom are still doing well and where people are rewarded for succeeding still, right? Um, right. And, and that, that's, that's, what a, that's what a UBI would give us. Um, the way I look at it is some people on the far left, so I do not mean Corey, but the sorts of people who say things like, oh, UBI is too good for capitalism and I want capitalism to fail, even if they're a tiny percentage of the population, I'm, you know, I'm not claiming that they represent a majority of the Democratic Party by any means. But those people clearly... Um, for them, the leveling out and the decreasing of the income of higher earners is part of the point. Whereas what I want is I want people to, I want every American citizen to have a fair shot at the kind of freedom that I have as a person with independent means, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I would, I think that as long as you're dependent on an employer or the government, you're not really free. There is something to that idea that is a kind of wage slavery. If you're forced to do something that you hate just to barely get by and you're not able to build wealth, you know, a middle class couple that, that was paying $24,000 a year in taxes gets that money back. So now their taxes are de facto zero, right? You know what they're going to do with that? They're going to save it and invest it. They're going to build wealth and they're going to come to have more passive income. And so the goal should be to raise the floor and to have everybody have the the real benefits of capitalism. The benefit of capitalism is that it is possible to save and invest and have passive income. And there's no reason why we can't build a future where everybody has that to one degree or another, not because the government steps in and gives it all to them, but because there's a fair floor of capitalism that doesn't start at zero and that helps people make money and keep their own money and invest it. To me, it's right. just kind of a no brainer. It's uh, yeah. I, I'm as frustrated as Corey is that too many people failed to see the obvious on that issue mm -hmm. for too long. So we're getting over an hour here. So I wanted to take it to a couple of last couple last topics. Um, the first one is what are you guys thoughts about who might make a good VP pick for Biden and uh, where do you feel he stands right now in his odds of potentially winning this? You want to take that one? Well, to start. I think you I'd should go first, yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear your take on it, too. Um, I've seen uh, rumors that he's going to pick Susan Rice, and I'm completely and totally okay with that. Um, I want Stacey Abrams. Um, her, uh, I mean, just listen to her talk for an hour. She's fucking fantastic. Uh, but if she hadn't been completely and totally robbed in Georgia, uh, there would be, uh, a, you know, an African-American woman Democrat as a governor of Georgia. 
like and the work that she's done there after that, the amount of people they managed to register even in 2018, like she's she's a titan. Um, and for me, you know, especially in in this moment, she can speak to the the Black Lives Matter moment that we're in with equal amounts of passion and nuance. Um, mm-hmm. So that just for me, selfishly, that's mm-hmm. that's that's what I want to see because I think it would be a great great direction. Um, I, I can understand why uh, um, you know Biden would uh, be trying to go even more centrist than that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because again, like <laughs> I see them making some moves now that are like don't leave anything to chance, and I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. Trump is fucking president, right? Like that. Right. That's not like I don't just believe that sometimes I believe that all the time. So if he picks Susan Rice, that's fantastic. You know, I've seen the Kamala Harris thing and and even uh, 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 Lance Bottoms, uh, who's who's pretty good. Even the, uh, Val Demings, I've seen a lot of uh, uh, people suggest she might be good, uh, but she got exactly zero votes in Florida so far. Like she's got absolutely no uh, uh, chops. Like she was appointed and she's great. But, you know, that that to me is kind of a, a non-starter. She's not going to deliver anything in Florida, you know, if you pick her for that. Um, and then I, I saw somewhere suggested Karen Bass from California. Um, <laughs> and I don't know really anything about her. But, you know, apparently she's got some really good progressive uh, bona fides. So that's pretty good. <laughs> but, like, I think the thing that would surprise me the least right now is Susan Collins. Um, but what I want is Stacey Abrams. Now, do you think that if he does not select an African-American woman that would end up hurting him? Uh, for three news cycles. Okay. Because I, I don't I don't know if you've heard. Donald Trump is fucking literally, you know, uh, backing cops who beat the shit out of and then kill black people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. there's a reason why they voted for Biden in South Carolina. And it's not because an African-American woman wasn't running. Mm-hmm. Right? They, right picked, exactly. they, picked an, they picked Obama's bestie over actual, you know, women of color. And so, like, mm-hmm. it... There will be some news stories about it, some people being angry about it, and yada yada yada. He never promised that he would. I, like I personally, of course, think that he should, but like you know, it 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 it's not it's not vital. He said he was going to pick a woman. He will. Like if it's Elizabeth Warren, you know, I still like I'd prefer her in the Senate. Uh, then I honestly don't, you know, I don't think it will will be her. But that that's the thing. Like it, it I don't think I don't it it won't. Let me, he'll win anyway. Let's put it that way. And how about you, Rio? What makes sense from a conservative standpoint, independent, if you want to draw in more Republicans? Um, I think that Biden's strategy, for the most part, has been to let Trump dig his own grave. Um, so personally, I think that they should just choose a nondescript, inoffensive VP who's mm-hmm. just not going to cause problems. Right, right. If they just if there's no VP related scandals with merit, then I think that's enough. That said, I mean, it's very common in American politics for one candidate to be polling significantly ahead of the other candidate and then for the race to tighten as it gets closer to election day. And certainly exactly. Trump is raising a lot of money and spending a lot of money on what I think are terribly produced ads. I think the people making the best ads as far as reaching independents and conservatives go, are the Lincoln Project. Right. I think the Biden yeah. campaign is really wise to let to let conservatives persuade their own, um, mm. and focus on 
basically they need to focus on turnout on base retention and turnout. They need to mm-hmm. focus on making sure that right, right. 90% of Bernie Sanders supporters vote for him, not 80%, because that could make the difference in terms of whether he wins or not. So I would yeah. like to see a VP, I would like to see a VP um, and, and to Bernie's credit, as somebody who's <laughs> very huge critic of him, you, Corey will vouch for me on that. Can, can confirm. Um, nevertheless, his supporters are more reasonable than the average Andrew Yang supporter. And I say that as somebody who, who Interesting. loves Andrew Yang um, and think I, I, th- I think his policies are way better than Bernie Sanders's. Um, but the truth of the matter is, like you said, Joshua, you know, the if you look at the, the breakdown, Yang Gang was something like 40 percent Trump supporters, 40 percent Bernie Sanders supporters and not mm-hmm. the reasonable Bernie Sanders supporters by and large. And then about 20 percent of people who are actually like normal mainstream Democrats. Right. And that was about it. Um, and, and so that's why if you look at the polls, a majority of Andrew Yang supporters said they would not necessarily vote for the nominee if it wasn't him. Whereas that wasn't true even about Bernie Sanders supporters. So yes, I think Sanders did a lot of damage attacking the Democratic Party. And I think it's funny that Andrew Yang didn't do that. And yet he still attracted the people who are the most hostile to it. So the problem with Andrew Yang's movement is that it was made up of two other people's movements and not his own movement. I like to make a distinction between the Yang gang, which I have disowned, and Humanity First, which I still very much support. I see Humanity First as the people who still are practical and recognize Andrew Yang endorsed Joe Biden. Andrew Yang is going to be in the Joe Biden administration. Joe Biden is going to listen to Andrew Yang's advice and adopt parts of his platform. Mm -hmm. Um, And therefore, you should vote for Joe Biden, right? I mean, even if you don't think that Donald Trump is an existential threat to democracy, which he very much is, um, even if you think that's a new, you know, crying wolf and it's not real, you should still vote for Joe Biden if you're a Yang supporter. But too many right, of right. them aren't going to. So that's uh, that to me is um, that's, yeah, that's that, that speaks to the Corey and I. One of our fundamental disagreements is, and I think that we both can make a good faith case for this. But Corey thinks that the reason Trump is president is because the establishment betrayed their voters. And I think the reason Trump is president is because populists believe the lies of people who exaggerate the problems of our society and who take our society for granted. So I, I guess I, like, here's my best case for that. And then I, I, I think we need to wrap up, right? But basically, um, you know, leading up to World War II, there were huge economic shifts happening due to, the, um, due to industrialization that a lot of working people were kind of falling through the cracks. They weren't, they were, they, we were going through a tumultuous transition in terms of economics. Um, and because of that, people were, people were susceptible to demagogues who would say, oh, the reason this is happening isn't because of complicated things beyond our control. It's because of the evil elites. And they believed it, right? And even though Hitler wasn't actually elected, he wouldn't have been able to do the things he did if he didn't have the support of a a huge working class movement in Germany at a time when people were very down on the economic system. And we're seeing the same thing happen now. So obviously, yes, I agree that, you know, elected officials should have had more foresight 
and the transition into an information economy of automation and to a much lesser extent, but there is truth to the idea that a global economy where it's easier to outsource jobs is a, is a problem, right? Even though automation is the main, main cause. Um, they should have foreseen that and they should have acted in advance to correct for that and they didn't. And so that was a failure on their part. Mm -hmm. But there's a huge leap from that recognition to saying that these problems are the fault of those people. Mm -hmm. These things are happening mm -hmm. all over the world, including in countries that have a much more robust safety net than we have, because it's just the nature of, of history. We're living through history. We're living through a huge economic shift in the world. And people who are still who still expect to earn a middle class lifestyle doing something that is no longer valued at that level in our new economic system are losing their shit and they're susceptible to demagogues like Trump and Trump's not making it better. He's making it worse. So I don't know. Vote for Joe Biden. I, I don't really have an opinion about who his VP should be other than I just think it should be somebody who's not going to cause problems. I think they need to, I think the Biden campaign needs to just let Trump hang himself. Mm -hmm. um, last question I have for both of you. I'll start with you, Rio. Um, so I know you want to vote for Biden. You want to encourage people to vote for Biden. Um, but can you um, – what do you have to say that, to those conservatives or those on the right? They're saying, well, that might lead to the implosion of the Republican Party. Why might that be a good or a bad thing? Um, well, I think what it will I mean, you guys to, are basically going to lose some power. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. No, I, so they might well, end up ruling for 16 years. <laughs> well, okay. So if you're if you're if you're a partisan Republican who sees things as a team sport mentality and you just want somebody with an R in power, there's nothing I can say to persuade that person. But if they're a person who actually holds real conservative and right-wing economic beliefs, then what I would say is the Republican Party needs to lose a round or two for its own good because if Trump gets reelected, then the alt-right control over that party will be will be firmly established and we will never have a true right-wing republican party again probably for the rest of my life if that happens whereas you know um the democrats rejected their own populist base and nominated a moderate centrist who is a capitalist who might be a little bit to my left on certain issues like healthcare, but who is better than Trump from a conservative perspective for all kinds of reasons that I've said throughout this podcast. He's not hostile to democracy. He's not hostile to the rule of law. He's not hostile to the constitution. He's frankly to the right of Biden on, I'm sorry, Biden is to the right of Trump on trade and foreign policy, which are very important to me. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what I would say to those people is don't, don't vote in order to maintain power for a party vote in order to min, uh, in order to ensure that both parties will move toward the values you want to see and the way to do that is to punish the republicans for betraying those values and to reward the democrats for still standing up for them mm -hmm. awesome way to put it and um I, I you know the way you know what you just said makes a lot of sense to me and it makes sense that you know both of you wanting to vote for biden but it makes even more sense that a conservative or a republican would consider biden as a vote, right? Well, because I should also I should is... point out that by I actually voted for Biden in the primary, because oh, by the, interesting. Uh, okay. by the time that the California primary vote came around, mm -hmm. um, right, got it. Mm -hmm. Biden had had established himself as the clear alternative to Bernie Sanders, and so mm -hmm. I voted for him instead of Yang because I wanted. It was basically an anti-Sanders vote. Okay, 
Do you go on with the one that you thought could win, maybe win? You didn't. Well, want to Yang win. had dropped out. He was definitely not going right, to be the right. nominee. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Now, how about now in terms of um, the progressives or the left? Uh, how do you answer to people that again go back to your argument, which is we are where we are because of the Bidens or the Obamas of the world, and you want to take us back into the frying pan? So it's deeply, deeply frustrating. You have two options. The most progressive candidate to win uh, a nomination of a major party since FDR or a fucking fascist Nazi piece of shit. Like, <laughs> those are your options. I like I don't Sadly. care what you think past that because it doesn't matter. Right. Like you can feel all kinds of ways. And yes, the system can be corrupt. But I'm telling you right now. You get you get a choice between the most progressive candidate since FDR, and I mean that. Go read the fucking policies, yep. or the most lying piece of dog shit president America has ever seen. You don't get to have an opinion outside of those two things when it comes to who you're going to pick for president. You could go home, you could take your ball and go home, but then if you are on the left, you are helping a Nazi win an election, right? Like it just it it. It boggles the mind that we're even having this conversation to me, mm -hmm. right? And again, if you look at every single person, look at Dodd-Frank, all the things that we're trying to solve uh, for, for the Wall Street thing, every one of them came from a Democrat, right? Mm -hmm. Actual solutions right. for healthcare. Every single person that got healthcare, that got help that way, every single time it was from a Democrat. You know how many times and, and that would have been okay, a zero. Republican in 1950, by the way, Rio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was Mitt Romney 10 years mm. before. Right. Right. So, like, right. everybody's shitting on Democrats. They're the only ones trying to help you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, That's the whole but story. But, you know the arguments on the left. I'm sorry. You know the arguments on the left. Uh, they're going to bring up Patriot Act. They're going to bring up, you know, that's why people are now are being thrown in van unmarked vans. That's what yeah. led to a Trump. Right. Uh, how about Democrats those? Right now, we're talking about putting putting rules in place to to start to, uh, stopping that. You know who isn't? Any Republican, except for Justin Amash, who basically got kicked out of the party. Yeah, I like Justin. And Mitt Romney. Yeah. Right. So like like right. all of that right. stuff, all that all of that stuff. I'm I'm I, I'm never gonna say that stuff isn't important. It is. Right. But look at the people that are actually trying to address it because they are. And if you think that Democrats are the problem too, it's on you because you're fucking not paying attention. Like you're literally not actually looking at the bills that are going through Congress that they're trying to get passed because every single one of them is having to have an opinion on this. And if you have a if you have a Congress person person you know locally that isn't primary that motherfucker like absolutely for it right like especially in like deep blue districts primaries yeah. all day long I'm I'm all right, the way right. here for it because that's how we pressure our party right yeah but now it's too late primary's over. Right. And except right. where it's not. Right. And there's still some, some really awesome progressive candidates running. Mm -hmm. It's just when it comes to president, if you want to be relevant. Right. If you want to be irrelevant, if you want to miss, like if you basically want to have history laugh in your face because you had a moment where you could actually do something that was important and you couldn't see past your own face to what the Democrats are actually trying to do and what they've been trying to do for the last 20 years, then I, I have nothing for you. Like, I'm not going to try and convince that person to do yeah. anything because, like, logic clearly won't work. The, the truth right. of the matter is preserving freedom requires sacrifice. And right now, conservatives need to set aside their policy disagreements with the Joe Biden 
administration or what will be the Joe Biden administration and make a sacrifice in order to save our republic. And progressives who disagree with Joe Biden administration on policy need to do the same thing. It's a patriotic thing to do. Nobody gets their way all the time. That's just how even like <laughs> I'm on the left. Biden is totally getting our way. Well, right? like, I, and again, yeah. it's perfect. It's like if I wrote down exactly what I wanted, of course not, right? Like I explicitly for single payer as an example, right? And and UBI and everything else. Anyway, sorry, I'm like no, Corey. Actually, I just I was kind of surprised you didn't say claim your agency in your answer, because uh, Corey came up with this great line. You know, we say consensus instead of compromise, and instead of saying take responsibility, we say claim your agency because it's yeah, a I'll more like empowering that. and positive yeah. thing. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, people who feel like they're not being heard by the system. It's incumbent upon them to be heard and they need to claim their agency and be mm -hmm. heard. And the only way to be heard in our system at the presidential level is to vote for one of the two candidates who actually have a chance of winning. Yeah, Anybody who right. doesn't do that, it's their fault that their voice isn't being heard mm -hmm. because they're not they're not speaking. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end it. So um, it, I'd like either both of you to any information you want to give people what what are you guys upcoming projects what do you got going uh ways people can contact you um i'm doing uh, uh hashtag coffee on uh, and it's actually going live on on twitter and uh, and facebook now uh, we do that monday wednesday friday 10 at 10 a.m eastern um you can uh, follow me at, at Corey cottrell on uh, facebook or twitter and you'll be able to find where all that stuff's going on uh, I'm also doing community development for a startup called Church Chirp Church <laughs> Chirp. Um, you can go to uh, at ChirpDap uh, D A P P uh, on uh, on Twitter, where we're basically going to uh, uh, create um, a cryptocurrency-enabled ecosystem around uh, a social media experience that will be very reminiscent of a kind of a combination of uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, just without all of the evil shit. And we're actually going to be advocating for uh, something called the 50-50 protocol. Every bit of revenue that we pull in as a company, 50% of it is going to automatically go out to uh, uh, to the community itself. Awesome. I like it. Real? Um, well, I'm going to keep doing moving forward. Uh, there will be a... a uh, a cast of about six um, guest stars who take turns coming on the pod. Corio will be one of them, um, and there will be others, um, most of whom, or really all of whom, our listeners will be familiar with because we've had them on the podcast before. Um, and uh, I don't, I'm not really a fan of hashtag coffee because it's, I'm not the audience. <laughs> but I do have to say, Corey also goes live playing the guitar and singing sometimes. He, right, he did, right, he did right. the music for our podcast, uh -huh. and it's great. It's and pretty good. with Corey's permission, I'd like to keep it, please. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But yeah, so I, I would have definitely you imagine, like, you no, check you can't out use check, my music anymore. Check out his musicianship, too. It's uh, yeah. it's beautiful. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. Definitely. All right. What, what is that saying you guys say at the end of your podcast? Moving Something forward say, is our gumbo. No, moving forward is our gumbo. One, two, three. Moving, moving forward, forward is, is our gumbo. gumbo. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for coming on. Cheers, guys. Talk to you guys Thank soon. You. Take care.
thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. <laughs> <laughs>